0: People first organizations will win in the future
1: of work. Your only real asset is your people. We We all want want purpose purpose and work. HR led organization is. I'm sorry, but leaders don't need empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hi, this is Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. And today I have the privilege joining from Melbourne, Australia, Karen Ferris. Karen is a director at KarenFerris.com and Macanta Consulting. Karen's a self professed service management and organizational change management rebel with a cause, acclaimed internationally as an author and speaker with industry acknowledgement of her reputation. As a thought leader, she provides both strategic and practical advice and insights to her audiences. Her ability to share her experience and knowledge ensures that everyone is empowered to make a difference within their organization. She's an author of five books on leadership, change and workforce resilience. In 2014, ITSMF Australia bestowed her with Lifetime Achievement Award for her contribution to the industry. She has contributed to many service management publications. For the last five years, she has been voted one of the top 25 thought leaders in service management by HDI in 2017. The Business Relationship Management Institute presented her with a Global Excellence Award. And in 2018, CMI Victoria awarded her with a Rebel Award for the person breaking all the rules to make things better for all. Well, welcome to the show, Karen. It's a privilege and honor to have you on my show.
0: Thanks, Ruri, I'm happy to be here.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Great. And you know, it's not every day I talk to people across uh, the globe, really, um, especially from Australia. So I really appreciate you making the time to, uh, to, talk, to uh, talk to me about it. You know, I've been a big follower of your posts and your uh, thought leadership in the space. And one thing that really st- stood out for me, you know, we all talk about the future of work and how uh, we are all trying to get ready for it. But you have a big red flag in that that you saying that the future of leadership is not ready for it why do you say that
0: yeah so i think the future work is hybrid Um, regardless of so many organizations pushing back and saying no um it's what employees are asking for they've had two two and a half years three years nearly of um flexibility and they want to continue with that flexibility and autonomy and there's, there's two indicators for me that leaders, and I use that word loosely, <laughs> right. um, leaders are not ready. In 2010, in March, sorry, 2020, in March 2020, the demand, the global demand for employee surveillance software went up by 80% compared to the same time the previous year. And this is uh, data from a company called Top 10 VPN. So listeners, uh, people watching can Google Top 10 VPN. And I thought that was a knee-jerk reaction. Okay, we've suddenly got people working from home. um, Our so-called leaders have suddenly panicked. I can't see them anymore. Therefore, I need to put surveillance software out there to see where they are and what they're doing. Which was which was crazy, because you and I know, and the the people listening to this watching this podcast know, that even if you saw someone in an office sitting at a desk at a computer, you didn't know if they were working or not, if they were being productive or not. But the mindset sort of somehow shifted to say, now I, I can't see them. I have to monitor what they're doing to prove in my mind that they're actually working. And as I say, I thought that was an eject reaction at the start of 2020. But this, I'll, I'll just show you, hopefully you can see, this is the graph, this is the data from top 10 VPN. And this is April this year. And it's just going up. So. That's the demand for surveillance software. Went up 80% in March 2020, 65% in April 2020, 78% in January 2022. So the demand is still going up. What is going on? Why do so-called leaders think they need to monitor keyboard strokes, which is what they're doing?
1: Right. I think it... it poses a fundamental question right trust which i'm sure you're going to talk about
0: absolutely it is trust but it's also leaders being able to or recognize that it's about outcomes not hours at a desk it's about measuring the right things and we're not measuring the right things if we're surveilling people for you know why were you away Why did your status go to away between 10 and 11 yesterday morning? What does that matter? I mean, someone could be, you know, putting effort into writing a document or, or a business plan or whatever it might be, and then are not hitting enter. And what's happened is, <laughs> and I've had some very clever um, senior employees tell me what they're doing now. So they're putting weights onto the keyboard so that it simulates that they're always on. So their status on teams or whatever um, collaboration platforms they're using is showing that they're always there. And of course, employers are monitoring whatever the employee is doing in terms of their ability to be always on. And so employees are coming up with some very clever ways of keeping that status to always on. And I've seen and you can look on YouTube uh, desk fans that are attached to the mouse that move it (laughs) when they go away. I mean, it's just crazy stuff going on. Um, And I laugh about it because of some very ingenious. I've seen a an employee that's attached the mouse to a toy train going around a track. So when they go away, the mouse is still moving. So it's, And you can laugh about it, but it's a very sad situation that um, that's what's happened. The second indicator that I know leaders aren't ready for the hybrid work is the demand for employees to go back to the workplace now if the pandemic had been two months we'd be in a very different situation than we are now right we had two years of people all of a sudden having to work from home or work remotely not everybody of course but a large proportion of the work workforce and that gave employees time to reflect on what they want and they're saying loud and clear now the research is overwhelming they want that flexibility to work when they want where they want how they want and they want the autonomy that goes with that but there's uh, many organizations now that are saying okay we believe that pandemic's over there's another debate <laughs> um we want you back in the office and i'm like why but there's there's no reason to go back into the office. You've given people autonomy and flexibility. Why not continue to do that? And I think that's because we have organizations and the leaders and organizations who go, oh, this is just too hard. You know, we're going to have to rethink our um our model, our operating model. Um and now let's just go back to the way it was two and a half years ago, three years ago, and um it'll all be fine. Well, it won't. Um we know I'm sure everybody who's listening and watching this has heard the term the great resignation. Right. Um, where employees are just you know, they've they've proved that they can work for anyone around the world. I'm in Melbourne, as you said, Shri. I could be working for a company in Singapore or San Francisco or wherever. Um, because we've proved that I can. Work remotely. I don't need to be in an office. Um, so now employees have such a choice of employer and they're in the driving seat. So yeah. that's part of what's driven the great resignation is that that realization that um, an employee is saying, I deserve better, I deserve more. So they're, they're, they're ready to walk. So unless organizations and leaders in those organizations wake up to that fact they're just not going to retain the talent that they need to survive
1: yeah thanks for that uh, uh karen it's totally totally right i mean people have learned how to work remotely but i think there's this big uh cohort and i would call them to some extent some, some extent the dinosaurs of an era where the management practice of managing was managing by walking around, you know, and managing by walking around is great. I have no no problem with that. I used to do that when I was running projects uh, back at, you know, EY and, you know, Capgemini, we had teams, we would walk around and I would talk to my team. It worked great. But once, you know, we started going virtual, we started going virtual a long time ago with com- you know teams working in India and, Europe and all of that. So we were getting used to it. And we had to change our management practices with better uh, you know, better notes, being able to structure your time effectively, doing a lot of these type of calls, coming to the meetings well prepared so you're not wasting time on those meetings because the next time you will be able to meet is one or two days later. You can't just go back to your desk and come back in 30, 30 minutes to have that discussion again. So it requires better preparation, better structure, better planning, and um, leadership and the management have have forgotten, or maybe not some of them, not all of them, obviously some of them have forgotten on how to structure their work and their processes better to be able to manage a work a virtual uh, world of work, um, and that's true for a lot of global companies who have teams all over the world, but many of the companies that are, they don't, they don't have that, or at least the teams don't have that, uh, they'll have to learn new management practices to do that. The second thing to your first point actually is it comes down to trust. If you think your people are not working effectively at their, uh, from, from their home, or virtually wherever they are, they could be on a beach in Florida for all I care. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have to question, have you set as a manager the right outcomes and expectations for, the, for that employee or for that team member? And, and secondly, have they bought into it? Or did you just shove something down their throat and say, this is what you're gonna do? And they have not fully bought into it. So that goes back to again, management practice, which is management to the outcomes, and using good processes. Uh, Otherwise you're scrambling minute by minute, hour by hour, and that doesn't lend itself very well to hybrid or a virtual work environment. So I don't know, what are your thoughts about my assessment of of this problem in leadership?
0: I think absolutely spot on. I mean, if I'm an employee and I know that a manager, let's say is monitoring my keyboard strokes that just screams at me i do not trust you right and that is a terrible indictment um that we have so-called leaders saying i do not trust you what where does that leave the employee i am not going to stay in working for an organization where i feel that you're saying i don't trust you and we need to have leaders that as you said, Shri, set clear expectations. This is the, what I want you to deliver when I need it. How you do it and how many hours you spend doing it is, is pretty much irrelevant. I just need this outcome by this date. And being absolutely clear on those expectations, and then letting an employee with the empowerment and the autonomy to do whatever's needed as they see fit. And that is so, you know, I've worked with organizations where I've talked to to a leadership team, a senior leadership team about empowerment of their employees and autonomy. And I can see they're like, Oh, you know, um, this is going to be anarchy. I tell them what to do and I don't, yeah, they the micromanagers and um, suddenly they're going, oh, I need to be hands off. Um, but when we, I talk to these leads and say, OK, this is a new way of working for you. How about we start small? Find an activity that is low risk. Or a task, I should say, that's low risk and work with one of your employees to empower them to undertake that task as they see fit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you get out of the way, just get out of the way and let them get on with it. And I assure you magic will happen. And it does. Cause all of a sudden the leader has more time, right? Cause they're not micromanaging anymore. The employee is like, yes, I feel like I've got a sense of purpose and I'm valued because You've given me a task, but you're not directing me how to do it each step of the way. You've just let me do it um, as I see feel best to achieve that outcome. Um, and it's amazing what happens, but we we have organizations that are just still command and control, um, yeah. leadership. And the and the, the thing is, and um Jay. Jacob Morgan wrote about this in his um, recent book, that we we put people into leadership. So leading people, people leadership roles in the late 20s, early 30s. The first leadership development they get is in their early 40s. So in some situations, we've had people put into leadership positions with no development, no guidance, no support for over a decade. So where are they getting their guidance from? They're getting their guidance from the leader that went before them, who was in the same situation. The leader that went before them, who went before them, who was command and control, hierarchy, and then you expecting them to undo that learning that's been embedded for like over a decade. So we're not giving lead our leaders the support and mentorship and coaching that they that they need. So we that that absolutely needs to change, and we need people. We also need leaders. I mean that's well that's been the situation well before hybrid working and the situation where we're in now. So it's been, it's just it's just um amplified if you like mm-hmm. that we have leaders now trying to lead a hybrid team and going I-, I don't know how to do this you know i can't see people like i don't know how to adapt my way of working to this new work situation and um which is why as we've mentioned earlier um so many organizations are demanding people to go back into the office let's just go back to the way it was because it's so easier well that's okay as an employer but your employees don't want that you know it's you've got to go up to change and it's the biggest opportunity that's ever been presented i think
1: to organizations yeah no i think it's a great opportunity because then you can hire the best talent anywhere and you don't have to play san francisco prices or sydney prices or singapore prices or you know you can i mean i was talking Mm. to one of my Uh, earlier podcast with the startup who set up a startup in a small town in india uh which was a tier three town it's not even a tier two town and they were able to do that effectively because they decided they were going to work in a hybrid work environment from the get-go this is pre-covid and then during covid they didn't miss a beat and that was uh you know that's it's all some people have figured out early on some people are still trying to figure that out um mm-hmm. my my main concern with you know remote work, to be honest, uh, and I suffer from that sometimes myself is the, is the loneliness part, right, or the psychological mm-hmm. impact of working from home all day and not having that change of environment, not having that camaraderie at work, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes and and by the way, going back to work is not necessarily more productive. It's actually could be a lot less productive uh, because mm-hmm. you start having chit chats, and have start having you know uh, sidebar conversations which can be serendipitously good for collaboration, but a lot of times from an individual productivity perspective, it makes, a ne- you know, it has a negative impact. Mm. So um, you know, how do you balance that? Because, you know, I do think there is, there is something to be said about camaraderie at workplace and building friendships and uh, yeah. having that sense of community and having those laughters and going for a long hour, long lunches once in a while.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, there there, is, there are reasons to go back to a place of work, whether we call it the office or a hub or whatever it might be. Um, and I wrote an article not so long ago. I said there's five reasons to return to the office. Um, firstly, preference, that I might want to go to the office. I might not be in a situation where... Um, I have a working environment that's conducive to working remotely. I mean, I'm lucky I have a purpose-built office in my house. Many people don't, so the preference is to go back. The preference could also be that I want that connection with other employees, um, that loneliness that you've said. So, you know, choose choose that. And I think the driver should not be... Um, The driver should not be the the CEO or the C-suite. The driver to decide whether you work from an office or remotely should be the team, where the team says, you know what, we would be far more productive in this particular task if we got together face-to-face, physically together, um, if that's possible. So do it, if that's the case, if that's the decision that we'd be more productive or we'd have a higher sense of purpose or um, we'd be part, far more um, participative, those are the reasons why you should, yeah, then co-locate. Otherwise, and I, and I always say the bottom line is, is it worth the commute?
1: especially not in Bangalore (laughs) or or San Francisco or or, uh, LA, you know, cities like those. But
0: is it worth, yeah, I mean, is it worth me, even in Melbourne, is it worth me getting on a train for 40 minutes or whatever to get into the central business district um, to go into the office? If I'm just sitting in the office nine to five in a cubicle, doing what I could have done from home, then it's not worth the commute. I right. mean, it's like I could get two hours back in my day
1: Yeah. <laughs> by not yeah. The And especially the commute we used to have, right? Be in the office at 8, 8.30, which is the the standard US timing is 8 to 8.30. Mm-hmm. And then you leave right around, you know, 5, 5.30. So you're basically hitting peak on both sides of the traffic. So it's actually a double whammy because you lose an hour in traffic or more in some cities um, Mm. both ways that's almost two and a half three hours of lost time in in some cases Mm. and and I'm not exaggerating this is absolutely a fact for many cities that I've uh, been in and worked at in St. Louis obviously you know traffic is not that bad and I'm 20 minutes away from my office and I still come to work uh, most days because Mm. I like I like coming to work even though uh, mm. most of my team isn't at work. I didn't demand people to come into work uh, and we get together once every two or three or four weeks and that's perfectly fine, you know, uh, for some, mm. you know, some if for some collaborative brainstorming activities where I need a walk whiteboard, I feel like I need to walk around and wave my hands mm-hmm. and, and they need to wave our, their hands and then we're going to continue walking together to the lunch and we're still talking through things. I,
0: mm-hmm. I feel
1: like those are the times i need people to be um coming to the office i don't need my sales team to come and chit chat and hang out you know let them they need to go mm-hmm. and sell i want my manage, uh, marketing people to do their design do their blogs do their you know social media activities um and mm-hmm. coming to the office on a daily basis is gonna have, affect their productivity in many cases but once in a while i think it makes sense so um but i know I, you're absolutely 100 right you know it needs to be task-based or collaboration based, and it needs to be team team driven, like you said, and not a CEO or a president or a VP telling you have to come into the office, regardless of whatever your work is. And in, in the worst case, in your, in the, the first example, you mentioned about surveillance, which makes, you mm-hmm. know, which is really uh, uh, bad practice, because that just shows you just don't have, you have, first of all, you don't have trust, like you said. And second of all, you have not set clear expectations of what's expected as an outcome. Your outcome is not eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Your outcome is some KPIs mm-hmm. or some productivity metric that you have clearly defined. Mm-hmm. And if you are ma- managing hour by hour, minute by minute, then you have not set cl- good outcomes. Maybe you need to go back to management school and and get some training Absolutely. and mentorship. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, any and that's last. What we're not doing. We're not doing
0: that.
1: We're not not giving
0: our people leaders or people we put in that position, the education, the support, the coaching, the mentoring to be good leaders. Now, I don't think we talk about bad bosses and I don't think bad bosses are bad people They just haven't had the support um, to be better at at what they've been asked to do and that's to lead people um you know I talked earlier about empowering employees just giving them a a clear outcome to achieve and then get out the way Mm -hmm. and there are so many leaders and I'm using air quotes (laughs) leaders that just don't know how to do that and it's not that they don't want to they just don't know how to to do that they're so hands-on they're still in that I know best how to do this task and therefore I will micromanage you to do what I'm asking you as I would do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why would you do that? That's not best use of your time. Um, they don't know how to, they're subject to, um, what we talk about in hybrid working now, proximity bias, you know, where I favor the person I can see (laughs) in the office, over the person that's on a Zoom call or working remotely. Um, And most leaders aren't even aware that they have that bias. It's an unconscious bias that I will give a task to the person who's sitting in the office with me over the person who's on the Zoom call. And that person on the Zoom call might be far more equipped and experienced to undertake the task that I'm asking um but um i have this bias yeah and yeah. unless leaders are aware of that bias then it's yeah it's not good people won't feel included people will feel excluded because of that
1: yeah that's actually a really good point about inclusivity in in the workplace and now we have in the dei component we have another component of hybrid versus virtual versus in in person um so last question um, we are you know about to a wrap up on time here so what are the two or three things uh managers who want to prepare for this who are who are not prepared for this hybrid work environment or the management who want to train their managers what are the two or three things they should do as as the next steps on some of these uh changes in work work environment that we see
0: yeah i, I think the, the org, organizations as a whole need to invest in leadership development they should have done that well before we had hybrid working but even more so now that there are key competencies and capacities that leaders need to adjust to new ways of working. we talked about, you know, empowerment and autonomy. And for many leaders, that's a totally new concept. It sounds crazy when we when I say that, I hear myself saying it, and I'm thinking, well, isn't that what leadership is all about? Well, it is, but I still see, lead, you know, leaders in organizations micromanaging because they don't know how to do it otherwise. And when I work with them and show them how powerful empowerment can be and autonomy and trust, um, as I said before, you know, magic happens, um, both for them and the employee and the team member. Um, so we need to invest in that development of our leaders, if we're going to be you know, ahead of the competition, if we're going to retain our talent and attract talent. And we need to work, um, leaders need to create or be enabled to create and build a, an environment of psychological safety. That leaders need to recognize that they don't have to have all of the answers. That's not what they're there to do. Um, they're there to say, I have a team that you know more than I do, probably. Let's all come up with the answers. Challenge me. You know, let's have that friction. Let's have the conversation about I don't think that's the right direction that we're going in without any fear of repercussion or reprimand. Yeah. And you know, I, I go into you know many meetings physically or virtually. In organizations and the silence from the team is deafening. The only voice in the room is the leader so-called leader because nobody wants to challenge them nobody's they, they, it, there's a fear factor they don't want to say I don't think that's the right way to go boss. I don't think that's the right decision um because they are fear of you know losing their job or whatever it might be and that is silence isn't golden Silence is deadly
1: yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Um, yeah well then thank again, you it's trust it, it absolutely so trust you know better planning better training mentorship um and then just acceptance you know that's where the world is going whether you like it or not um mm-hmm. you know, the future of work is hybrid and the future of work is about employee empowerment it's not going to be command and control um uh, you know those are the dinosaurs uh, that eventually uh, they don't know a meteor is going to hit them soon, but that's where it's going. So, well, thanks a lot, Karen. I really, really appreciate your time um, and your insight. And I hope to see you in person someday, hopefully, um, you know, either visiting here or there. Um, where can people reach you and learn more about what you do? Uh, KarenFerris.com.
0: KarenFerris without any, um, all one word, KarenFerris.com or LinkedIn. Just
1: do a search on LinkedIn. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Karen Ferris, um, for being on this uh, podcast with me. Until next time. Sri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag PeopleStrategyLeaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.